Hi everybody, welcome to another Prog Report podcast interview. Hope you guys are doing well out there. Just a reminder before we begin the episode to subscribe to our podcast on any podcast network, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, check us out on progreport.com and follow us on all our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even our TikTok channel, which is out there now. Also stay tuned for our end of the year podcast. We're also going to be doing the Prog Report Awards very soon. So make sure you vote for that once we start posting about that, which is going to be very soon. Uh, my guest on this episode is Dave Kersner, who was one of our very first interviews back in the day when we first started the podcast. Uh, he's had a very successful career over the last decade with a lot of different projects, a lot of different bands. He has another solo album that's out now called The Traveler and also a new album uh, with a few members of Yes in a band called Arc of Life. They have their second album coming out with that band called Don't Look Down, which comes out in November. My good friend Prog Nick joined me on the interview, so check out our conversation with Dave Kersner. So, uh, how are you, man? Good to see you. Doing great, thanks. I like your backdrop there. <laughs> Let's see, it fools everybody. Uh, so, are you down uh, down here in Miami? Are you are you still living yeah. here full full time? Or are you do you do a lot of traveling or what's? Um, no, I, you know, I did recently just do a bunch of traveling. Uh, I went to LA and then Seattle for the Alan White tribute and then to Prague stock in New Jersey, all in the space of like 10 days. So it was a lot of flights, but now I'm back and I don't have any travel plans, no gigs or anything booked. So I'm just kind of, you know, working at home in the studio where I generally like to be. That's cool. So, um, for, for people watching, so, um, we've had you on, you, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, you were the second interview we ever did back in 2013. Oh, and then cool. we haven't had you on one of these podcasts since 2014, which is sort of insane considering yeah. you're the musician that lives closest to me. That's right. <laughs> you take it for granted. <laughs> so, and we would see each other at least once a year at a concert, I think. Some, yeah, something. we just saw each other. What, what do we, oh. what, what, what yeah, do we say? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, Nick from the cruise to the edge and, and, uh, you know, that's why I brought him on here to, to talk to you a little bit. We had actually written down a bunch of questions, but I, I, what we didn't write down and we should let you talk about it a little bit before we mm -hmm. get started on, on some of that stuff is the Alan White tribute that you were part of. And, um, talk a little bit about that, what that was like, who you played with, what, you know, what that vibe was there. Sure. Um, well, uh, the Alan White tribute was uh, earlier this month, and um, it was put on by Gigi Allen's wife and friends of the band and Yes, members of Yes. Uh, Fernando was invited out separately of me, actually, Fernando Perdomo, the guitar player I work with, uh, to <clears throat> fill in the Steve Howe role because Steve Howe wasn't there. And of course, you know, you got to love Fernando because he'll just jump to anything and just do it and like, and, and kill it. So, uh, so he was invited separately of me. I'm actually in a band with members of Yes called Arc of Life, which you may know. Sure. No, and, we're going to talk all about that for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, so basically Billy caught Billy Sherwood from Arc of Life and Yes called me and he said, dude, you got to come out here for this. And I'm like, it's in Seattle and I'm in Miami. It's like, I know, but you know, this, this, this I think is going to be basically an opportunity for us to play together as Arc of Life. We've never done a live show together. Uh, we've mm -hmm. done two albums. We've got a new album coming out. 
And so, and it was, you know, for a good cause because we were paying tribute actually to, in, in a way, to both Alan and Chris because we did Whitefish, which is uh, the, the fish, but like their version, our version of their version that they did live, Chris and, right. and Alan. So I just, I just came out to play that and it was an amazing ex- experience. Um, lots of eclectic people who from different uh, eras of Alan's career, pe- pe- you know, so they did some, some um, uh, John Lennon tunes because Alan played with John Lennon right. um, and even Trevor, Trevor Rabin was there and actually like went up a notch in just well, the nicest guy. He was so nice. You know, we traded albums. I gave him my, I think I told you, um, I gave my album and he's like, Oh, I'll give you, I'll give you my new stuff. And I'm like, uh, you know, you don't this. You don't have to give me anything back, but just really nice guy. And 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 he was there and did some stuff. And the spirit of it was, um, you know, just really nice. And 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 considering how difficult those one-off shows, where there's not enough rehearsal time, not even enough sound check right. time, there's all these people trying to do all these ambitious things, um, which was a little bit like Prague Stock, which is just just after on the other side of the, the country. Um, but considering all that, it came off great and the audience loved it and everybody had a good time and, and it was a good show. So it was an honor for Fernando and I being this sort of next generation of musicians influenced by Yes to be part of it and pay homage to a great drummer. I didn't know Alan very well personally. I know a lot of the other guys. I know Jeff. Jeff Downs was there, um, you know, Billy, John. Um, John Davison, not, not John Anderson, but John Anderson had a video thing and um, on the screen. And it, it just, you know, to be part of the Yes world, honoring such a great musician was an experience I'll never forget. I'm glad I did yeah. it. No, that's awesome that you guys uh, got to be a part of that and that something was done. You know, they, there's a lot of musicians, Neil Peart, nothing's been done like that yet. And Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. nothing's been done like that yet. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's true. It's cool that Alan got. Well, John was just John Davison was just part of the Taylor Hawkins one, and that was a big event. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. They should have big events, you know, for for all the greats. And you know, obviously, there's there's a time window that it, you know, for for Taylor and Alan that was appropriate. But I suppose, and we did the same thing. You probably remember when Greg Lake died. We did a Greg Lake tribute on Cruise to the Edge. I, I, Fernando and I put that together. Right. We did all of in the Court of the Crimson King and all these different guests. And, yeah, yeah. you know, that was the perfect forum to do that. And I think uh, Portnoy and and, Fran and and Neil Morris did one for uh, Chris Squire, yep. Yep. you know. And so at least there's that. But I mean, unfortunately, sadly, a lot of great musicians have died, have passed away. And, and, and uh, but I think there's no bad time to get together and do it and actually one of the things that fernando and i do on the side uh in fact we were just talking about that today is uh, our tribute albums we don't really play like in a tribute band full time or anything like that but we do one-off shows here and there and we like to produce tribute albums to bands we love uh artists we like um he did one for paul mccartney on his own we did one together for yes involving members of yes um i did start one and released an ep of a rush one with neil peart actually on drums neil peart um and i'm going to finish that so that has mike Keneally and francis dunnery and all sorts of different people so i'll do that uh i don't know if we'll perform it live but there's an album and, and we were just talking about the genesis tribute album that we want we wanted to finish so 
you know, there's no, and, and I think, you know, at some point we might do a John Wetton one because we love John Wetton and he didn't really cool, get yeah. that love. So, you know, I mean, in that way. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I want to go back just a little bit uh, and give a little bit of a, of, re, of a refresher here because at least for, for me, I became aware of you uh, by name and, and as a performer through Sound of Contact, you know, and okay. I, or largely before that you were, you know, you performed, you did some stuff with um, Kevin Gilbert and, and some things and, and lo- more largely behind the scenes with your sound company, which is very successful and, and a, lot, a lot of people use your, your stuff. Um, but so do you find now being a solo performer, um, one, talk about getting started as a solo performer around that time and the decision to do that, but balancing both now, doing doing the company and, and being an artist, is that more challenging now? Yeah, it can be. Uh, it's a juggling thing. I'm, I'm Fortunately, I am kind of a workaholic by nature, but it, it's required because there's so much work on both sides really to do it right. And uh, I, I would probably be better at both if I was just focused on one. But, you know, like in around, I used to make music full time in the 90s when I played with Kevin and I played with other people. I did sessions. I did all sorts of stuff. And I started my company, Sonic Reality. Um, And uh, then I went corporate, you know, got a little more responsible um, and I uh, got married and, and I, um, my company Sonic Reality joined forces with IK Multimedia in the early 2000s. And that kind of, you know, took over my life. I, I had employees, I was a boss and I, you know, I had a whole thing. Um, and then right, right around 2000, I don't know, five or six, uh, it just kind of got to me. I was like, you know, you can't, I, I make tools that musicians use so like sample libraries and plugins, virtual instruments. And, um, you know, they're used by everybody from Coldplay to Eminem to the prog artists, you know, uh, all of Marillion contacting me all the time, asking for IK multimedia products, Mark Kelly and, uh, you know, Steve Rothery. And, um, you know, I can't do this only for other people to make music. I, make music and so i I said all right i I need to balance this with making my own music and then fortunately um i uh, let's see 2006 i met simon collins through working with genesis on their sort of technical side um and i was at their rehearsals and that's where for their tour in that 2007 tour that happened after and we started working together we did a, a genesis song called keep it dark and then we uh, did a, a song on his um, co-wrote a song called The Big Bang that had Phil Collins and him drumming on it on his solo record, third solo record. And then we formed Sound Contact after that. And then from there, um, you know, we had, it was a bittersweet thing because we had success, a lot of great reviews, people loved it, great response. But the band members, you know, just talking to Matt about this, you know, at one point, everybody in the band was out of the band. And uh, so to my surprise, I was out of the band. So, you know, Matt and Kelly were first out of the band. And now now Simon's out of the band. He quit. But uh, but there was this part where after Dimension, I, we had toured a little bit. And then I was out of the band, not by choice, but, but from the, if I went into the details, it'd just be like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I won't. But uh, but but it's still it was I was not happy about it. 
and I felt like kind of um, stranded. I felt left behind. And that's where I had, but I can almost thank them for it because I had been sort of threatening to do a solo record or a record with me as a frontman for years since I played with Kevin in the 90s. I had been writing and practicing and trying to do it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want, I want to be the keyboard guy behind this. Let someone else go out front. And then finally, when that happened, I'm like, well, people, I wrote a lot of music on Dimension Up. People were loving it. I co-produced the album. I thought, if I'm not, going to be in the band i'll just follow up myself i'm ready to i'm i'm like hot to go here you know I, i'm in a, on a roll so i followed up with a two and a half like two almost two and a half hours of music um on new world the deluxe edition which was tons of songs and just you know and that was well received but i you know that was a big huge pivotal moment for me because I made the commitment to be the front man for the first time. I was like, you know what? I have to, I have to, because it taught me the volatility of a band. And if you're depending on other people and if they don't follow through or they're not reliable or they, they're not loyal, whatever it is, you're, you know, you're, you're screwed. And um, that's why I was talking to Matt Dorsey. Cause it was the same thing. He was like, Oh, that was my, my chance. Sound of contact. People loved it. You know, some people call it like, Genesis Next Generation or something, obviously, that has the novelty of Phil Collins' son being in it. But still, people genuinely loved it without the novelty. And that was his kind of big shot. And then it just got taken away, rug pulled out from underneath. But he's doing a solo album. And I've been encouraging him to just be like, do what I did. Just just carry on and do it. And in your control. I love being in a band. I love a great band. But, you know, I'd, I'd rather do what I do and have the ability to see it through than be part of a band hoping that everybody just is in sync and does things together and, and, and be devastated when it doesn't and just walk away. It's like, no, no, I'm here to make music. Life is short, you know? Right. Yeah. So Dave, you, you, uh, you brought up sound of contact. I mean, that is just about on everybody's top 10 favorite album. list. It, 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 it has become a neo-prog classic, I would say. Um, so since 2013, you've done a lot of solo stuff. You've done New World, you've done Static, you've also done the In Continuum albums. But for me, and I had the the privilege of writing the review for the Prog Report on, uh, on the album, your, your, your third solo album, The Traveler, uh, is the best thing, in my opinion, that you've done since Sound of Contact. Um, tell us a little bit about the album. Um, I know it's part of a trilogy and uh, uh, it, it continues a theme, and yet the, the songs seem to stand alone uh, of their own accord, uh, kind of as, as, as units. Tell us a little bit more about the process in, in creating The Traveler. Well, I, uh, first of all, it started with uh, having material left over from Dimension Art uh, that... Um, did, we started on and jammed on in the studio. They were my songs. And for various reasons, um, they didn't make it on the album, mainly because we filled the album and it would have to have been two CDs for there to be more songs. Uh, and, uh, and other reasons, I just did, hadn't finished them, actually. To, like I had started writing the lyrics and I wasn't happy with them until, like, you know, I've gotten better at, you know, I just get able to faster, let's say, faster writing lyrics and, and, and getting to the draft, the final draft I like. So I put them on the back burner and I had actually had hoped that Sound of Contact would do those songs since we had started them. But uh, I kind of uh, 
systematically gave up on that. I, I created in continuum out of this, the sound songs that we had or that I had primarily <clears throat> for the second uh, sound of contact album, but dimension out the first sound of contact album also had these kind of, I don't know if you call them outtakes, but just songs that were in that pool of, you know, stuff we were working on in the studio. So I had them and they needed a home. I actually went through torture. I don't know if I said this to anybody, maybe, but like the pandemic, I must have made like 200 album song lists and I couldn't decide whether uh, The Traveler was going to be an in continuum album or the songs on The Traveler. Because that's why Marco's on it. It was originally maybe going to be an in continuum album. And I have a version of like Another Lifetime with, with Gabriel Agudo singing and everything. But um, I think I made the right choice and fashioned it into story-wise the sequel to New World and Static. But the Traveler character, it gets deep and complex and it doesn't have to be. Like you said, it could just be, these are nice songs. I don't need to know the sci-fi story or the poetic connections uh but this character essentially is a thread through various other things like um he's an influence on the past and the future that's his whole thing you can travel through his mind so he's basically telepathically communicating with kai in um and he's like the storyteller of uh in continuum acceleration theory part one and two now that's me so that's, he's like a version, the Traveler's like a, a, a fictional version of, of me. I'm the storyteller of all of it. So, and, and I'm a traveler. We're all time travelers in the sense that we think about the past, we dwell about the past, or we worry about the future. And so there's this kind of duality between there being this sci-fi story that they're all sort of a universe that they're all connected in. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, but it's also just about relationships. It's about, you know, thinking about the past, letting, you know, dealing with your fears and your, or your demons or your, you know, um, all the things that kind of get in the way of your happiness. And the Traveler album concludes, it's very kind of um, more of an uplifting album. Static was kind of dark and cynical. New World was both. And... Um, uh, and even though New World ended on a very uh, up feeling, a very triumphant moment, um, this ends up, uh, The Traveler ends up uh, more like um, appreciating the present moment, which in many ways was the uh, inspiring theme that started New World. Because uh, Francis Dunner, a guitar player friend of mine, uh, who guests on both The Traveler and uh New world and he played with he had a band called it bites and he's played with many people oh that's the um, favorite he, band of all time that, don't worry that, that's my favorite <laughs> band of the 80s man <laughs> they're amazing they're amazing. i love it bites and i love francis and so francis gave me as a gift this book by eckhart tolle called a new earth and an audiobook and i listened to it and he also has a book i got uh, called the power of now i think francis might have even given me that as well <clears throat> and um it's deep and it's really interesting with the premise is great, which is basically to snap out of it, you know, in terms of thinking about, you know, elsewhere, except for here, the here and now. And so the song here and now that ends the traveler, and there's also part one and part two is about that essentially, which is kind of like, yeah, you can travel all over the place, but don't forget right now is like the depth of, of 
the beauty of the moment, like, like appreciate what you have right now. You may not have a future, may, you know, the past is gone, but so it's a nice message. And I think it, it, it has a nice, uh, a good appropriate conclusion to that trilogy, but um, like the, each album is very different from each other. And I didn't like, when you said standalone, it's like they, there, there are, little Easter eggs and hints of, especially on the Traveler, of some things, and the special edition Traveler, which, which two CD version, which is just coming out now. I mean, it's been out digitally, but the CDs are being shipped this week. Um, that you hear bits from Static and New World and voiceovers from, uh, the, from the late, great uh, David London, who was awesome, and he sang on the title track, New World, but he also did these cool voiceovers along with Heather Finlay and uh, Emily Lynn and Lara Smiles from uh, the Australian Pink Floyd. And they've got these cool British voices and they're all there reciting some of the poetry from New World and, um, and Durga McBroom from Pink Floyd also doing some of those. So you have, uh, and even like a quote from Steve Hackett from New World is on The Traveler, not something new, but from New World. So you have this kind of montage audio elements, but, and thematically now that, you know, if you read deeper, you're like, oh, okay. So there was a song called The Traveler on New World, but it wasn't explained what was going on. And now, hopefully, if you really either listen to this interview or you just kind of figure it out on your own or you have your own interpretation. But my interpretation is this character was you know, using his mind to either personally experience or vicariously witness these stories that he's telling and all to kind of just appreciate the life as it happens, you know, essentially. And so all of that is the threat, but they're each individual stylistically very different from each other. And probably the, maybe the reason you like the traveler the most is because it's the most like, uh, dimension on it's not even quite like dimension on either it's maybe a bit more genesis than we would have allowed ourselves to go i kind of combined the would have been sound of contact songs with some sort of genesis songs i had from the static sessions and some, you know other songs that have been built up um better life in a time your mind were new but they were also kind of genesis i'm like all right let, let me you know because I, I just bought tony banks keyboards and, and the studio equipment from genesis I'm wearing Genesis t-shirt. It's all about Genesis. No, I love Genesis. They're my favorite band. And I, um, in a way, we're doing a tribute album, but I wanted to pay homage to them in ways that not everybody, anybody could do a tribute album and play covers, but not everybody's going to write a song and find ways to uh, respectfully nod and wink to the forefathers of, you know, I mean, plenty of bands do, Big Big Train, Marillion, they have, and they're known for that IQ. But my, my way of doing it, which is blending it in with all these other influences and, and but hearing like an ARP solo or a Prophet 5 or any of these flavors and, and certain chord changes or whatever, keyboard solos that are nostalgic, but still fresh and new, hopefully. Yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. That's what the album sounds like to me, totally. Okay. Wow, Dave, what a lineup of performers on this album. I mean, Matt Dorsey, 
the great Billy Sherwood, Fernando, of course, Joe Dennison, Mark, Marco Miniman, the great Nick DiVigilio, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, but let's talk specifically about your relationship with Fernando. Uh, how did you meet Fernando? How did you, how did you two get together? How did you click musically? What happened? Uh, through a mutual friend and when he lived in Miami, Fernando used to live in Miami where I live. And, uh, we got together and played each other our music. And I, well, actually, I first met him at uh, this guy, Randy Fuchs place, uh, who does artist relations with companies. And Fernando was there. And so it was just kind of like kindred spirit, you know, initially, I could just tell. And then I, then when we played this other time, we played each other, I played him Sound of Contact before it was released, which he loved was blown away and he played me his band dreaming of stereo which i love so i said well we got to work together and um we did a track actually it's not released yet but we were just talking about it before uh for a rush tribute album that's a full album we did digital man with billy sherwood myself neil peart on drums and fernando on guitar and he did an amazing job and he totally veered from the original like it sounded like stealing in and i was like man this guy's bold but he's also uh, just very musical, like in the moment, speaks the same language, knows a lot of more than I do, actually. He's an walking encyclopedia of music. But he, you know, works with a lot of different people in a lot of different styles. But he has this love for progressive rock and classic rock. And I, you know, he doesn't really, I mean, at the time, he wasn't even doing that himself. Later on, he did an instrumental uh, project called Out to Scene uh, because I had sort of brought him back to his roots, his prog roots. But he loves playing with me because he's uh, gets to, you know, do certain things in that context, stretch out guitar solos and be creative and bring out some of these other influences, King Crimson or Genesis or whatever it is, Pink Floyd. And, um, you know, and we just hit it off. Now, I mean, he's also an amazing bass player. He's one of my favorite bass players. So I end up working with him a lot. He's, you know, look, he's a super nice guy. He's a great, humble, cool person to work with. No ego, no issues, but he's also fast. So as a producer and as someone who's, let's say, trying to direct remote sessions, because not everybody, he doesn't even live here anymore. If he lived here, it'd be great. But uh, in fact, I just talked to him today. I said, you, you thinking about moving back to Miami? He's like, well, maybe, <laughs> probably not. Uh, he's in LA now, where I used to be. Anyway, when you work with people remote, it is really great to have somebody who cares, prioritizes it, makes it happen. He just, if I need a track, I get it in the next day or two. It's, and it's great. So I just love working with him. The flow is, is, is awesome. Now, the same could be said for the other musicians I work with. There's, the, you know, it seems like a long list and, you know, if, if you get to know my catalog and the things I do, you start to see some of the same names because there are people who I work with that I know, all right, if I want something like this, I'll, I'll talk to Matt or I'll talk to Billy or I'll talk to Marco or, or Nick, you know, and, and then it's if, if they're available or Randy McStein, you know, so I know um, what they do and how they might fit into a song. So it's like a casting director. It's kind of fun. But it's not just to be like gratuitous. In fact, I try to hold back and not because I have a lot of friends in the music industry. I, I do that more gratuitously, let's say, on tribute albums, but on, on an actual original, the solo album or in continuum, I try to reel it in and just be like, all right, 
let's not just have a huge Rolodex list of names just to just for the novelty of it. Let's really find a great fit. And it just so happens that Fernando is just my main go-to guy. He'll always uh, comes through for me when I need something from him. So it's been invaluable. I don't know if I could even do everything I've done without him. Yeah. Now it's cool seeing you guys together and, and especially on the cruise, which I'll ask you about later, but um, I want to touch base on uh, Arc of Life. Uh, and, and, and you have a new album with that band uh, called uh, Don't Look Down, which comes out next month. Uh, the second album, um, and now you're fully into you know the Yes Camp with these guys. I mean, how did you get hooked up with them, and 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 how'd that band get started? What what was the story there? I've known Billy Sherwood since the '90s when I played with Kevin. Around that time, I met him, and um, you know we uh, have worked together on some of the tribute stuff. He he had uh, me play with um, Joe Lynn Turner on the Super Tramp uh, tribute that he did. We did uh, Bloody Well Right, came out really nice. And I've had him play on the McBroom Sisters album that I co-produced and a bunch of stuff um, over the years. And he just kind of said to me, sort of like a premonition, I remember, because I was watching Circa or something like that with Tony Kay. And he said, you know, I'm going to do a project with you on keys. Something like that. He just said something like, you know, be ready. And... Uh, you know, and he says all kinds of things like, you know, whatever, like, have you ever wanted to be in Yes? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I had that dream too. I'm in Yes. So, uh, you know, he's, he's great. And um, so I'm just basically, I mean, look, it, it's kind of reciprocal in the sense that John Davison's a pal, like all those guys are pal, Jay, Jay Shellen. I haven't worked with Jay as much. We got him to play on the Yes tribute, but I've worked with John. He's done a ton of stuff with us on in Continuum. Um, and on the new album, he sings on uh, a song on the Traveler, um, and there's uh, so and Billy. So like, if I call upon them, they're like, yeah, anything, Dave, like whatever you want, and they do their, you know. So they called upon me, and they said we need a keyboard player for our band. So they had already started this band without me. It wasn't like, hey, let's get together and make a band like Sound of Contact was. This was their band. It's Billy's band. And, and so Billy was like riding with John on the Yes tour on the bus. And they felt, I, I mean, they said it in their own words better than I can say it, but in a nutshell, kind of like, this is a side project from Yes. You know, it's something, you know, it's more material than we're doing with Yes. That's, that's how it happens sometimes. You write some songs, some songs get, you know, chosen by the band you're in. And some are like, yeah. what do we do with this? Let's make a band. So they made a band because they had the material. They've worked with Jimmy Hahn before. Uh, so the three of them, Jay uh, Shallon, who's now the full-time drummer of Yes, John and Billy, you know, were the core of it. They brought in Jimmy because they've worked with Jimmy. Jimmy played on Union. I'm actually the only one in Arc of Life who didn't play with Yes previously. But I'm kind of, you know, an honor. Fernando and I are like these satellite honorary family, outside Yes family members. We've done stuff with Yes management and they just, they know us, they like us. And we were invited. So he invited me. I, I mean... To be honest, um, the first two Arc of Life albums, uh, I do I do the least amount. I do no writing, no singing, just keyboards. And, you know, it's uh, fine because I have all these other creative outlets. So to me, it's like they asked me to do this. It's, you know, the difference is, <clears throat> I mean, to me, if they had asked me to just be a session guy on their album, I would have said yes. 
no pun intended. Yeah, I would have been, yeah, sure. But they asked me to actually be in the band, like an equal member of the band. So I'm like, oh, all right, sure. I mean, it doesn't feel like we are until we all write together, which was the plan, was the plan for the second album, but the pandemic kind of messed that up. It is the plan for the third album. So for me, it, I don't feel as personally attached to it. It's more just like a cool thing because I like the guys and it's neat to be part of this yes offshoot and there's potential in that it could it could lead you know playing live and who knows you know it, yeah. it just be a fun path and it's easier because it's actually easier strangely enough because i haven't invested uh so much of my creativity in it one of the hardest things and it was a harsh lesson for me was sound contact and i never thought i could be out of the band because i had invested so much of my creativity into the songs these were songs, some of those songs I had since one of them I wrote about Kevin and I wrote it in 98. So uh, Kevin Gilbert. So it, it was like, it hurt more. If these were all just like Simon songs, then it would hurt, but it just like hurt the ego. It wouldn't be like, oh, but those are my babies, you know? So right. it's a very deep thing for me, you know, whereas Arc of Life, it's just kind of like, well, I'm just a keyboard player. So, you know what I mean? Like for now. Uh, and I'm happy to go along on the ride. And, and it's actually also, I learn things. I like to do things where I learn. And so I can see like, they ha we have a manager, we have an agent, we have all these things. I'm like, oh, okay. So what's it like to have yes as manager? What's it like to have all these things? And then, you know, I see the benefits. And then I also see the benefits of just keeping it kind of simple and doing the indie thing. So it's great from that standpoint, you know, get to see. Yeah, congratulations Speaking on that. Speaking of yes, Dave, um, Cruise to the Edge, uh, you're a staple uh, on Cruise to the Edge. And by you, I'm, I include not only yourself personally, but also uh, Fernando, Randy, Durga, Nick, your whole crew. You're, you're very generous with your time. You end, up, you end up playing with just about everybody on, on the ship. Uh, and that includes the passenger stage. I can personally attest to that. Uh, you're very generous with your time. And it's... Uh, it, it, it's a better cruise for you. You want to tell us a bit of, of, of your perspective of the cruise? Sure. I, you know, the interesting thing, people don't know this, but like, so I'm with, with Kevin Pollack and I, uh, Kevin runs Oktoberfest in, in Chicago. We booked sound contact for cruise to the edge and then timing was bad. I was out of the band and, and sound contact did cruise to the edge without me, which also was difficult for me. And so, but, you know, I, well, first of all, I also wanted to go and see UK play. I mean, that was it, you know, John's gone now. And they, they, I knew it was something that was like, a, you know, so things like that. So I actually made a post. It was, I wanted to be on Cruise to the Edge the next year. I was like, all right, I'm doing my own thing. And to me, that was where I had to be. Like it was justice, poetic justice. Like I didn't get to go when I even booked the gig and everything, I was supposed to be there. Now I'm going to go on my own. And you know what? I don't know if I've told the story much. Maybe I haven't. But so I had to choose, by the way, between playing in Cumbria with Francis Dunnery and Robert Plant doing Led Zeppelin songs for his charity versus wow. play, playing my own music. And I couldn't do both. Mm. I mean, I could, I could have done it and not rehearsed, but I chose my rehearsals over playing with Robert Plant, Zeppelin wow. songs. And Peter Jones wow. ended up doing it. And I was like, oh, you lucky bastard. But anyway, uh, 
and I played it the year before uh, with, with Steve Hackett, this great charity event that he does in Northern England. But, um, but anyway, so I actually made a post joking around. I was annoying Larry and I was like, I was saying, look, I'm playing Chris the Edge. Even if I have to play in the parking lot with my, my guitar, I'm at Chris the Edge. And he laughed and everything. And he knew about, he loves sound content. He's like, yeah, why don't you, why don't you do it? And we, I brought an all-star band with both McBroom sisters, Durger and Lorelai, backing vocalists of Pink Floyd, Randy and Matt and Fernando. Uh, and I think we had Derek Cintron on drums. And it went over really well. And that just became um, the foundation for returning. You can't take it for granted. I can never assume, you, you know, not every band returns. But I think perhaps the fact that we've been generous with our time and generous, but we've done like extra things that, that aren't for money. Like the Greg Lake tribute, no one's paying us to do that. We're just like, okay, let's just do a whole set for the love of Greg Lake and, and Everson Lake and Palmer and King Crimson and, and music and Prague and get other people to also do it. They're not getting paid, you know, to, 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 to yeah. do this extra work, but it's not work. And so, and we did a Pink Floyd tribute. We had Harry Waters, Roger Waters' son, and, and Steve Rothery and Billy Sherwood and, and all doing Pink Floyd songs for a pre-cruise party. And it was maybe, it's, I don't know, it's part of the festive, to me, <clears throat> I love Cruise to the Edge because it's, and Roy is so, it's a great part of it as well, uh, you know, and, and John and every, everybody. It's like everyone's there with the common uh, thread of we love progressive rock music yeah. and the various bands of different, you know, whether you're like, yes, or you like something heavier, you like, but, you know, like Haken, but like we're all there on this boat and it's, it's just like everywhere you go, you're going to bump into a musician that you like, you know, you're going to have a stare down with Steve Howe, which I had once in the dining room, uh, you know, and like all sorts of memorable experiences. We've all been there, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I talk to him or do I not ruin the fact that I'm such a fan? Um, yeah. So and, and, and interacting, like, let's say with even even doing things like the late night, which I, I've, I've, I've held back from doing Fernando's all over it when we played that there's that late night jam. Um just because I don't, I you get overworked and you can extend yourself too, you know, spread yourself too thin. But, um, but just that spirit of like, you know, not only just hanging out with people who are on the cruise, but actually performing with them, like we did. I mean, that was actually really cool what we did, Nick. Because um, usually, I'll if I do it, like we're sitting in on a cover of like Genesis or, or yeah. But we were doing a cover of one of my songs. Into the Sun. You guys playing with me. And that was a real honor. You know, there were, there's some things like that. Or another time I played the same song and we had Jeff Downs play the keyboards. And for me, it was like, OK, we could do a Yes song. But Jeff Downs is playing my song. Or, you know, like that's that that's means something cool. to yeah, the yeah. That's kid in special. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, on this past year um a few months ago i guess it still was uh the what person i kept seeing all the time I, mean, I saw all you guys everywhere i went but as i was going around introducing and i'm running i'm running introducing on this stage and then i have to go an, an hour later introduce on that stage and like everywhere i went i i would look behind me there's fernando again <laughs> it's just like with his hat with weren't his you hat, just right? that that other stage playing with that other band 
He was amazing. Yeah, he's a maniac. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he's listen, man, congrats on everything. I, it's been really cool to see your career just skyrocket over the last 10 years. With so many records, so many bands touring like crazy. Now you're in, in the Yes camp. I mean, it's it's been pretty cool. And congrats on all the success. And really, the new album is fantastic. You got Arc of Life coming coming on, on the way, too. And... Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see you on the next cruise and at the next whatever concert's coming down. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, man. We'll see you soon. <clears throat> Bye, everybody. All right. Take Bye, care. Bye, Bye. Take Bye, care, Dave. everyone. Bye. Thanks to Dave for the interview. Don't forget to check out his new song, The Traveler, which is out now, and the new album from Arc of Life called Don't Look Down, which is coming out in November. For upcoming news and interviews and more, check out parkport.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also our podcast networks and our special video episodes on YouTube. See you soon.